Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own, Melissa and Ellie. Hi, Potter Prancers. Welcome to Pottercast number 37. We have got a great show for you again this week. Our kind of conundrum segment and also all your fan response questions are all about Godric's Hollow the night that Harry's parents were murdered, and who might have been there. So hang on for that. Also, we have some great mailbag again this week, and our modcast is about the Weasley twins, which was your choice of modcast as polled in our Leaky Lounge forum. So enjoy that, and we'll see you later. Now on to Sue. Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hello, everyone. Topping our news this week is a new interview with author J.K. Rowling that she has given to Girl Guiding Scotland. In a wide-ranging interview, Joe speaks of many things, including, of course, the Harry Potter novels. Joe says that she is very protective of her characters and storylines and will, quote, stick fiercely to what I believe is right for them, even if I know it will make some fans unhappy. For instance, some of the romance in Book 6 disappointed readers who were hoping for other pairings, end quote. You can find the link to this new interview with Joe on our website and in our show notes. In movie news now, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire earned three nominations at this year's MTV Movie Awards. Nods went to Dan Ratcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson as Best On-Screen Team. Ray Fiennes earned recognition in the category Best Villain for his role as Lord Voldemort, and Dan Ratcliffe as Best Hero for his role as Harry Potter. Voting for these awards are open to the public, running now through May 19th. Congratulations, everyone! There is also a few pieces of news now regarding the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix film, as TLC has confirmed that Tony Maudsley has now been cast in the role of Grop, the giant brother of Hagrid. There's also a good new interview with actor Chris Rankin online now, where he describes his character of Percy Weasley in the Order of the Phoenix as, quote, quite a piece of nasty work, end quote. Indeed. Chris was also a recent guest on Pottercast, where he did talk about his return performance as Percy for the next two films. And in a delightful new interview, the always wonderful Jason Isaacs discusses his role as Lucius Malfoy in the Potter films, including one hilarious part about that fabulous blonde wig he sports in the movie. It looks fine. (laughs) Jason has also been cast in the starring role for a new miniseries called State Within that is now currently filming in Toronto and will air later this fall on the BBC. Finally, actor Rupert Grint was in New York City over the weekend for the premiere of his new film Driving Lessons at the Tribeca Film Festival. We now have multiple photos and a video interview with Rupert available for you on our website. Well, for more on these news items and all your Harry Potter needs, you can find it at leakynews.com, which is updated daily. There's another jam-packed program ahead, so let's get right to it. Enjoy the show! It's it's Pottercast number 37, folks. Yay! You made it. Number 37. How many have you listened to? I've listened to like three. <laughs> no, I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking directly to our audience. They've listened to like three. How many are still on the iTunes feed? A lot. Like 27? Uh, like 15. Yeah. Wow. 10, 10 to 15. We, we trim it every, every now and then. So you probably should get about 10. Well, where would one go to listen to the other ones? Let me think. Hmm. Pottercast. Pottercast.com. Dot com. <laughs> Just like that. Da-cam! Da-cam! If, you, if you don't say that while you're typing it in, your browser goes server not found. <laughs> it does. It does. 
Well, what do we got up this week? This is another big crammed pack week. Another one. They just keep getting crazier and crazier. We have some more stuff coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we didn't have... even do yet, though. We got so excited. We didn't even get to say, I'm an SNL. Oh, right. <laughs> John, why don't you say that this yeah. week? Okay. I'm Melissa Nelly. I'm John Nui. I'm John Nui. <laughs> and no, 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 no. I'm Melissa <laughs> Nelly. That's who I'm. No, she's Melissa Nelly. I'm so squeaky. <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> well, now that we know who everybody is. Clearly. Yes. Clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we got on tap? Well, let's get into the news, though, I suppose. Well, first, just quickly, this week we have for you the first impersonations contest. Mm-hmm. Part results. two. Part one, John, because part two hasn't happened yet. Oh, but we already did this thing once before. Oh, this is right. our second it's impersonations imper- contest. It's, imper- it's version 2.1, <laughs> put it that way. Oh, Now, does anyone that. out there follow v that? V2.1, as the geeks say. <laughs> yeah. What did did, did anyone follow that? I don't know. 2.1, 1.2, I don't know, I'm lost. I don't, I, oh. I don't know. Um, so, what's up with the news, Suze? Well, um, Ermie is gonna be in the movie. Ermie? Tony Maudsley is gonna be <laughs> you guys, Have you guys drank something <laughs> no. bizarre? What's happening? We don't even drink it's for not nice kids. No. Right. Okay. No, we have big... You mean grop. Yes, you... Grop. Do you mean grop? Hagrid's half-brother. Half-brother who's 40 times his size or whatever. <laughs> He's all like, Rup. I'm like, Grop, and I'm going to stomp on you. <laughs> He's being played by actor Tony Maudsley, who is known for roles in Sleepy Hollow and Vanity Fair. Yeah, I heard he was also up for Dollish. No, he was not. <laughs> That's what I heard. Well, you're a line of... You're grapevine, John. I worry about it. I don't know. See, I, I, I read all kinds of websites. I bet mm-hmm. you do. Yep. Anyway, we've uh, leaky confirmed through uh, official sources that that Grop will be played by Tony Maudsley. We also confirmed yeah. something else. He was all like, "Hey, how's it going?" They're like, "Hey, who's this? This is Grop." No, Grop. Oh, you mean the guy who's gonna play Grop? Yeah, it just got confirmed. You want to post about it? Like, yeah, thanks, Grop. Like, no problem, Grop. John. <laughs> Isn't that how it went? Dude, I'm, uh, you lost me on that one. <laughs> Grop likes to say his name. What are you talking about? After, yeah, after, after he says things. <laughs> Guys, I, like, I, like, I seriously apologize for that. That's what, what the hell? That's what Steve Close is adding to the script. No. Oh, so what happened know. is that we went through official sources and asked people who would be able to tell us whether or not he was in the film, and they said yes. He called us so, up and told us himself. Sure, John. He said, do me a favor, post the news that I'm Grop. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) All right. All right. Sue, what else? uh, We're talking about Let's Phoenix, though. We did get a little bit more clarification about Jim McManus as Aberforth than... I think people were kind of like, oh, this is a big significant clue that Aberforth's going to have a large, huge, gigantic role in book seven, and that's... Not really. Well, everybody was concerned for a while that Aberforth was going to be done entirely in the computer as a digital character. <laughs> no, and that's what they were concerned about with yeah. Grop. He's going to be. Oh, he's going to be like how Grop. they dig. Like, well, I think people were kind of guessing though. We don't really know, but he's probably going to be more like Gollum. 
like how they filmed them. I'm sure a lot of people are aware of how they made that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be an actor-powered performance, but he's going to have to do a lot of a lot of acting in front of computers because think about it, Grop exists ten or twenty feet above. Mm -hmm. All the other characters, nobody's going to be on a level with his face unless they do, you know, something to make that happen. So, so he's clearly going to be in a different environment completely. Right. So he's got to have to do a lot of computer work, right. and they'll probably like, you know, use put little sensors on his face and and stretch oh. his face and you know do all things to make him look like a right. giant. And you know how like, well, I don't know, a lot of some people are familiar about how they shot like the hobbits and and they did um you know height manipulation and by, by angles of the camera and stunt doubles exactly. to make them look taller and people look really short yeah. so they'll probably do some things like that as well but i mean yeah, lord of the rings was an incredible example of combining physical effects with mm -hmm. computer effects and just about yeah. every kind of visual effect you can think of they did in that movie mm -hmm. and i think they can do the same thing here with grop without turning him into an animated character obviously it's just yeah. they just have to composite a a larger version of him into everything else. And when they're shooting with the kids, they probably will have this big old stick and they'll put a Grop's head on top of the stick and they'll move the stick around so the kids know where to look at. And kids, they're 16. Grand party. I, I, that's right. You know, they're, yeah. they're getting their they're golden oldies now over there golden in the oldies. <laughs> What else? Okay, so anyway, so Aberforth Dumbledore is mm -hmm. a minor role in Order of the Phoenix, the film. He is what he is in the book, which is the guy who, who sees the Dumbledore's mm -hmm. army meeting. For the first time. Whether this means that J.K. Rowling said don't cut that role because we need him for book seven, whether it means that Aberforth Dumbledore is, you know, the keeper of all the remaining horcruxes, like, you know, who knows? All we know is that for the movie five, he has the role he has in the book, and there's no reason to start freaking out that this is a huh. sign from above. Yeah. <laughs> I told you my Aberforth theory is that that Dumbledore had a horcrux all that right, found a body, and it's <laughs> so now Aberforth. So what's oh, next? Man. Well, we just had um, another, we saw another interview with our friend Chris Rankin, who talked again about right. Phoenix and you know how Percy's really become quite a nasty piece of work. <laughs> He's obnoxious. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, Chris was so great when he was on Pottercast. But I mean, I just love reading these interviews with him. How he's talking about it and working with Fudge and yeah, yeah he'll get in there and tell you all about it, as opposed to another guy. Yes. Mr. Alan Rickman, who says no, yes, but you know, what a jerk. You know, he's wow. so. Oh, that cool. makes sense though, because yeah, he knows more from Joe. Yes, he does. Most yeah. other characters. He's him, got a pretty important piece of information. Him and Hagrid. To yeah, but I like how he refers to it as Severus. You know, like he's taken yeah, this, this character. You know, I mean, but which is why he's so good. I mean, Alan Rickman is a superb actor, but he's a professional. Yes, he he is, and but I, I so I just thought that was classy and. I'm glad to hear that he's filming. This is encouraging, too. So, Yeah. Hey, uh, before we jump off Percy real quick, did, didn't they include uh, somewhere on the interview how uh, he said that he heard that he, about Wuthering Heights the same day he heard he was going to be in the next two Harry Potter movies? Did he? Yeah. In the, he said that? Uh-huh. That's what I heard. What are you calling me for? Don't you're recording right now. <laughs> Why did you call me? We 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 interrupt this Pottercast for a personal phone call. We'll be right back. No, I just got a call from Melissa A. Verizon. I'm not calling you. You did. My phone, my phone is off. Off. Someone has your phone. It's in my hand. <laughs> Someone named Melissa has your phone. I swear to God, it just called me. I'll take a picture of my call list. I'll show you. I'll like. I'll put on my webcam. It is off. There's not even a screen. You got a webcam up? 
I can. Something's someone's yeah, screwing with my phone. I think it's Dollish. Dollish the poltergeist. Be nice if Peeves would be in there. Peeves? No, Peeves doesn't exist. <laughs> Dollish, but the poltergeist or nothing. Not in the not in the movie world. You know what, John? We were talking about the t Rankin saying that, Chris saying that. He yeah. did say the yeah. next two Harry Potter films. Exactly. Oh. So he's already oh. Leaky confirmed it here he's... first. <laughs> He'll be back for our Half Blood yeah. Prince. Ooh. Yep. He will. Okay, you know what my favorite thing of the news isn't really Potter news, but was the most brilliant, hilarious thing I saw last week was you, John Newey. Uh-oh. Up there. Oh, that thing? Doing a little dance dance. Oh, my gosh. The Dance Dance Revolution video is live, I don't folks. even know what you're talking about. No yeah, it's on YouTube. It. You're, you're done. It's on YouTube. And it's found its way to YouTube nine it times. Is. Nine times. Like nine different entries. Nine for it. different ones. Yeah. It was brilliant. John, I want to say on the record, you were Everybody... brilliant. Hilarious. So good. That was. Oh. John listened to me watching that. And I was just, I was dying. I was just dying the whole time. Well, now they're all saying that I didn't do a hard enough song. Now they don't think that I can't even you dance. You got it perfect. We'll prove and them wrong in they're, Vegas. They're accusing Joseph of being the one actually dancing in those shots where it's the feet. There are, oh, there are conspiracy no. theories about your dance dance revolution Yes, they're video. saying that because there were so many shots that other people were doing no. the hard moves. And that all those perfects were from Joseph and not from me. What? It makes me feel yeah. like we have to do a live performance. Hmm. A live performance? We'll call them out. It makes me feel Maybe like in, we may have Vegas. to finagle a little television to Vegas. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I want to see. I want, well, we'll do it when there are witnesses with you and Andrew. Oh, yes, me and Andrew are having a face-off. Andrew, Andrew thinks he can beat me. Hmm. Wow, this he, is this is the news wrap. This is not the ridiculous off-topic wrap. Well, okay, but that was... Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that, that is, I mean, it's off-topic for, true. like, Leaky, but for podcast, <laughs> yeah. it's really not. Somebody actually forwarded me an email that they sent to Chipotle today. No way! To, to the guy who owns Chipotle, talking about me on the video. Well, you wore your... I don't think I doubt it right back, but we'll see. You wore your shirt. I saw that. I saw it on that little video. It does, you know, and th th there's there's a section on Chipotle's website that has a send us a picture of you wearing Chipotle gear, and then we'll send you free stuff. <sighs> cool. I don't know how. This oh, well, what if you send a video? Do they send you lots of free stuff? You'd think they'd send me a restaurant <laughs> for that video, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> After what you went through to do that, awesome. Okay. Awesome. John, that was very brave of you. Oh, I'm a brave guy. I was at my moment of Gryffindorness. Wearing a Slytherin robe. Or my Slytherin You know, I robe. wanted you to say Crucioff at the end, though, to the, to, to the thing. I, was, I, was... <laughs> I just like to say Expelliarmus just because of the abnormal fixation I they know. have with it in And the I love it behind the back. Expelliarmus is going to start opening up doors and cleaning up cracked bowls <laughs> next, I bet. You know, like, screw learning Evanesca or whatever the hell that spell was. Let's just Expelliarmus, though. <laughs> Everything to get rid of your bad potions. <laughs> Expelliarmus faulty potion. Well, it, it was brilliant. Oh. Well, yes. Well, we guys, a... shall we go? It's time to move week, along. Boys and girls, Coming up are yeah your your voicemails about who was at mm -hmm. Godric's Hollow. Yes, our second canon conundrum. Canon conundrums, and then we have a a modcast. Mm -hmm. Mods, what are you talking about this week? I think. It... Well, you'll you'll already know if you're a podcast listener because I will have said it in the opening. 
and it's then we have our canon conundrums. Canon conundrums. And then, uh, is that what the opening is going to be for canon conundrums? Basically, John? it's going to be like, "Welcome to canon conundrums." <laughs> Sound like a rogue, rogue goblin I'm... there. <laughs> Welcome to canon conundrums. And then we have the first part of the second impersonations contest. Yeah. No, it's the first something. part. Of our second... The first part of the yeah. second impersonations okay. contest. That's what I said. Next week's part two. Next week's... I know, John. I'm the one that's oh. lost, not John. And then the week after that, there's no more impersonations contest. No more for another six months. And then the week after that, we'll release the next uh, film commentary. Ooh. Yeah. And then yeah. two weeks after that, we'll release the, the next uh, film show. John... And then four weeks after that, we'll release... Wait, that's too far ahead. Uh, the trivia contest. John is just making stuff up at this point, guys. And then six weeks from now, we'll have the Dollish interview. Dollish? Dollish? Hey, Dollish. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing Dollish. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's leave. Let's mo- mosey on out of here. Hi, this is Dave from the UK. Godric Solo, who else was there the night Harry's parents were murdered? Well, I think obviously Voldemort was there because he murdered them. And I'm certain that uh, Peter Pettigrew, Wormtail, he was there because he had Voldemort's wand. And also he told Voldemort where they lived as he was the secret keeper. We know that later on Hagrid was there and he saw Sirius. I also think there must have been somebody who let Dumbledore know that something was going on at Hogwarts Hollow. Maybe like a Mrs. Fig character who we may meet later on when Harry goes to visit Hogwarts Hollow. Well, I'd just like to say I love uh, the podcast. Bye. Hey, podcast. Michelle from California. I'm just calling because I wanted to tell you that I think that Wormtail, Beatrice Lestrange, and Lucius Malfoy, and probably some other trustworthy Death Beaters, were there the night the Potters died. This probably also arrived a few minutes after the murder. Love the show, and love you, John. Bye. Hey, Pottercast. I just had a comment um, about the this week's conundrum about Godric's Hollow. I, was, I think Snape was probably there. I don't know which side he was on. I think he was probably spying for both Voldemort and Dumbledore just to go check it out and see what happened. Hello, this is Megan Swan from the forums, and this is in response to your canon conundrums call for who was there the night at Project Hollow. I think that there's a strong possibility that it was R.A.B. R.A.B. discovered the Dark Lord's secret, but we don't know how. I think that R.I.B. followed Voldemort to Godric's Hollow that night and witnessed his demise, and some afterwards, he or she discovered that Voldemort was not completely gone in spirit. Hi, everybody. This is Bat Boogie Hexer from The Lounge. Um, this is for Canon Conundrums. I think that uh, Wormtail was probably at Godric's Hollow the night that Lord Voldemort tried to kill Harry. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast. I think that during the night that the Potters were killed, I think that Snape was also there and so was Wormtail because 
Nate was probably there because he wanted to see how it all went down since he had a grudge against James, you know? And I think Wormtail might have been there to see how Voldemort operated to be sure that he was safe on this side. Because if he wasn't, then it would be too late. Hey guys, um, I think that Wormtail was at the uh, Godric's Hollow just basically because that would be the only reason I can think of how Voldemort would get his, get his wand back. Hey Pottercast, this is HD Fan731 from The Lounge. My theory is that the person who was at Godric's Hollow the night Harry's parents died is Snape. I believe that something very important other than the Potter's death happened there that made Snape change his mind and feel guilty for passing the prophecy on to Voldemort. I think that's why Dumbledore trusts him so much, and I am excited to know exactly what happened. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Oh dear, we are in Greetings, all you clowns and pranksters. This is Jason Edwards, still known on the forum as the Guru of Sloth. Today is a special day because for the first time started doing modcasts since I've started doing modcasts, the gender balance has been flipped. Lori's outnumbered for once. Alack. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nick Ryan, known as Nick TLC on the line. And as is probably not a surprise, <laughs> myself, Lori, otherwise known as AW. And today, I think I think Jason's going to be particularly happy because we're, t- we're not talking about Slytherins. No. Um, in fact, we're talking about, dare I say it, Gryffindors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, the funniest Gryffindors, actually, Fred and George. That's right. Um, whom, whom I do quite like, because well, how can you not <laughs> They're great. like them? Because they're just so funny. All right, so where do we want to start with these guys? Weasleys, Wizarding Weezers. Ah, okay. Like, the most successful shop in Diagon Alley, I reckon. Yeah. Particularly during the war, when everyone's closing up, and Tom's not... Tom, Tom's got no uh, customer at the Leaky Cauldron. Right. Poor Tom. Um, Madame Malkin has people fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and they do accusations. That's right. One's out. Whereas Weasley's Wizarding Weasley's, we, whatever it is, www, that's, <laughs> it's still a the mouthful. True I hate worldwide way. The Weasley joke shop, that's easier to say. Yeah. Um, it's flourishing. That's right. It's almost defiant in the fact that everything else is so gloomy and, and their shop windows are so full of, you know, fun stuff that is yeah. just so glittery and, you know, it's it's so it keeps different. people happy. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's like almost the definition of the Weasley twins in a way. It's kind of like almost defiantly unserious. You know, they, they can be serious at, when necessary, but only at the... <laughs> When it's most necessary, you know, like, it's all about having... No, I mean, it's like they both passed their apparition tests first right. time, which is quite an achievement. Yeah. I mean, Charlie failed his first time. Right, um, true. Ron and the eyebrow incident. <laughs> and so we just know that they passed it and that they're abusing it immediately right. they can. And, like, they land on people and <laughs> things like that. Percy, when he passed his apparition test, he just sort of you know, apparates downstairs just to show he's ca- show he can. Right. And that's it. Whereas the twins, they're just doing it all the time. Yeah. And it's just, they make it fun. <laughs> Not so much to show off, but because they love it. Like, <laughs> it's just another it... thing that they can do now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, pop, wee, I've just gone somewhere else. <laughs> just like you said, it's just another <laughs> power they can abuse. Uh, you can see uh, some of why Ron's personality is the way he is. With 
all the different older brothers he's got, all their different personalities, especially the twins. <laughs> Probably experimented on him when he was little. <laughs> yeah, they tried to do an unbreakable vow in <laughs> That's him. That's right. <laughs> That's kind of scary. <laughs> was it ever said what they tried to get out of the vow? I don't remember, but imagine if they had <laughs> they completed it. Um, they'd have been like, they'd have probably got him um to be their um sort of lifetime servant or something like that on pain of death. Because <laughs> they like they wouldn't do it maliciously though. Right. They just do it because it's wow. Look what we can do. Yeah. You know, they don't think about the consequences. And they were young very too, often. I'm sure. Well, yeah. But, if he was, he must have been what five or six. Yeah. I think he said. So they were only. Yeah, they would have been under 10 before Hogwarts. Yep. I wonder how they found out about Unbreakable Vows. I know. <laughs> That's quite cool. Yeah, you kind of have... about their different, like, personalities, though? That's what oh, I the find two. the most interesting about them, is the fact that they're not one entity. They have at least slightly different personalities from one another. Yeah, as you, as you read, you start to pick out those things. But you're right. Let, let's talk about what some of those differences are. That we think we've noticed and that other people have noticed. Well, I think Fred is most prominent of the two. He speaks more. Yeah, he tends to... He always to... seems somewhat the leader and George, you know, will speak after Fred has spoken. That, just right. really little things like that. And sometimes George will kind of like add to or clarify, kind of fill out what Fred says. But Fred, usually you're right, he tends to be the first to speak up. Well, and the fact that, that Fred was the one that asked Angelina out mm-hmm. to the Yule Ball, which... Yeah, that always Definitely stuck out hard. in my mind. Just, I mean, I know it, maybe in some ways it would have been redundant, like for the story. But I was always like, "Wait, did George get a date too?" I mean, I figured that he did because the twins are so cool and like probably everyone loves them. But you know, we didn't see it happen. <laughs> and Fred was the first. Like, you know, we're pretty sure that George didn't have a date yet either. At that time, <laughs> he kind of it's almost like he had to wait for Fred to to pick his girl or something. Oh, <laughs> poor George. But, He's not that bad. Nah, I don't think so. And I don't know that... I, I don't know. Do you guys think that it's kind of like a leader-follower thing? Or more like, is it just like the, they kind of like divvy up the roles? Like, I think it's a louder one and a quieter one, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't think George wants to speak and feels that he ought to and that he's being trampled on by Fred. More it's, no, I'm quite happy being quiet and just supplementing what Fred has to say sometimes. But otherwise maybe just observing. Yeah. And I think that's quite nice that you don't have two really... F- they're not forceful. Yeah. and I, um, I fig- In that sense. I imagine that most of the time George is just thinking, well, Fred's just saying exactly what i'm thinking anyway <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> i mean it's just fred's the loud one and he's got yeah. it out of his mouth before anyone else do we ever see them significantly apart you know one comes into the room and it's not you know like fred came in george was elsewhere just where they mentioned one without mentioning the other i right. don't think they are yeah i really don't either and it seems like if it if that did happen it would really stand out unless it was <laughs> done in a subtle way that which you know joe has been known to do you know, we can tell the difference between them, but it's really almost impossible to think of one without the other. Uh, yeah, I think it is. And I think I think that's been sort of supplanted to us by Jo in her writing. I mean, you know, they're always written together, so we always think of them together. Right. And yet at the same time, it's not as... It's not as together, for like, at all times, like uh, what it reminds me of is Sam and Eric from Lord of the Flies, where mm-hmm. they're together to the point that it just becomes one word. <laughs> Sam and Eric, right. like, yeah. no spaces. And, uh, you know, it's just shown as one entity. But they're clearly two entities. They don't 
always, I mean, in the movies, they kind of finish, finish each other's sentences, but they actually don't really do that as much in the books, do they? No. They, they supplement each yeah. other, you know, it's like, ah, said Fred, oh dear, said George. You know, they, they say, they're basically saying the same thing, like, oh no, I can't swear here, but you know, <laughs> they just like, they're just like, uh-oh, we've, we've ruined this, yeah. we've made a mistake, um, and they just come to the same thing at the same time, but Fred's just in there a little bit earlier. And you get the impression but, that sometimes they might just do those kind of things to be funny too. I don't know, just because they can, because they're the twins and like, they think it'll amuse people to talk like that. Well, it does seem to be a bit of an act to, to be so in sync with each other, mm-hmm. um, because obviously they do have differences, but they seem to, to revel in the idea of being these, this, you know, entity, this, this, this reputation for mischief together. Right. So they kind of like the fact that people think of them as Fred and George, I think. Because that way they have this, I don't know, this mischievous twins reputation. Right. Well, and what about Lee Jordan? I think it's, it would be interesting to be friends with two people who are so alike, and Lee Jordan is kind of like on his own, you know, because he's not... Yeah, you know, at first a... he seems quite sort of a lot closer to them than in later books. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I thought that maybe he'd end up, you know being like a third part of Weasley's Wizarding Weasley's. Oh, I can't say it properly. <laughs> this stupid joke shop. <laughs> I thought he'd be a part of that, yeah. but he wasn't. He sort of, you know, he was the, they play Quidditch and he commentated. Right. You know, they do all this stuff and he's just, you know, he's got the tarantula, they come and look. Mm-hmm. They're never sort of as a three, but yeah, it is strange. You think Sometimes that... they are, but... It's weird. I mean, I always thought it was interesting that he was described as their best friend. Like, whereas you would think, well, the twins are obviously each other's best friend. But it's well, like that it's that like... term doesn't even apply to them. It's, you know, it's like they're so much closer than that even. that. I took it to mean he's the best friend of all their other friends. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, they're clearly. best friends with themselves. But it's like, of everyone else they associate with, yeah. they hang out with Lee a lot more often. Right. And, like, he partakes in their jokes and pranks. Yeah. And I wonder how he sees them. It was him and the Lifflers, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. He he was kind of like depressed after they left. (laughs) It's like, my buddies are gone. I got to cause mischief on my own now. Well, I think that's all we've got to say. I'll spare you. I've said um, a lot. Yeah. How funny I think they are. (laughs) They just crack me up every time. They're awesome. Um, Yeah. Everyone loves Gwed and Forge. Including me, Asphodel Wormwood, saying goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. This is about who was at Godric's Hollow. It was, it was Snape at Godric's Hollow. Snape saved Harry when he was a baby. He interfered with Voldemort's spell, and that's why Dumbledore trusted him. So it was Snape at Godric's Hollow. And this is number one R. Uh, hi, this is Legacy from Michigan, and I'm calling on the who else was at Godric's Hollow the night Harry's parents, Harry's parents were murdered question. I'm sure this is a popular um, answer, but I really think that besides Lily James, Voldemort, obviously, and Harry, I do think that Snape was there as well. Um, maybe not so much that he was in the house, but I do think that he was there somewhere um, lurking in the shadows. So that would be my answer. 
Can't wait to hear your next podcast. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Erica from Las Vegas, and I have a little theory about the whole Gorgeous Hollow thing. Um, I think one of two people could have been there. Uh, my first one, I think, is kind of obvious, is Snape. Um, he just seems like he's always around or somehow involved in these big events that have happened um, throughout the books. And since he's sort of uh, Voldemort's second-hand man and Dumbledore's second-hand man, that I figured he'd be there and that he might have been the one to run off and tell Dumbledore it happened. And my other person was Pettigrew, because um, he was a secret keeper, and he probably wanted to see what was going to go down. And once he saw that Voldemort fell, he, I guess, grabbed Voldemort's wand and ran off, knowing that Sirius or someone would be after him, since he didn't have the protection of his shirt anymore, um, that he ran off. So that's my theory, and thanks. Bye. Hello, Pottercast. This is Helen from New York. I'm just calling about the night at Godric's Hollow. I personally don't think that there's any more to it than appears on the surface of the book. I think it was just Voldemort and Harry's family. That's because I don't think Voldemort would trust any of his Death Eaters to do something as important as trying to kill the person who was prophesied to defeat him. Thanks. I love the show. Hi, Pottercast. This is Taryn from California. What I think about Godric's Hollow, um, I'm not quite sure about the extra day, but I think that Peter Pettigrew was there, and so were Snape and Sirius, because they all seem to know stuff that occurred there. We're back yeah. with another Canon Conundrum. Canon Conundrum. Only bum, on bum. Pottercast. Yeah. So who's here? I am Melissa. I am Sue. It's I am Melissa. here. And I am and Steve. Here too. Uh, Lexicon Steve. Yay. Lexicon Steve, all the way from next door, one click away. We have a telephone cable between our windows, between yeah. our bedrooms. But you do. There's also leaky, a little, the leaky a little headquarters food in the There you go. Yeah, our headquarters. headquarters building's downtown in New York. Yeah. Those big yeah. skyscraper headquarters buildings of ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why don't we go ahead and introduce the topic for this week for everybody who may or may not have uh, listened to last week's show. You'll have already gotten a taste of the voicemails that have come in thus far about the topic of... Uh, da-da-dun! Godric's Hollow. That yes, fateful what night. what happened in Godric's Hollow. It was... And Halloween. No, mm-hmm. November 1st, 1981. Yes. From... How do we... Yes. The Halloween is when it happened, but we're talking about the 24 hours right. after... Well, well we're also talking right? about, did it really happen on Halloween night? Yeah. Yeah, it's very confusing. Ooh. Clearly, there's a lot to yeah. discuss. Yeah. In the hometown of Godric Gryffindor himself. Okay, so basically, well, here's you're making that on. assumption, but we don't even know <laughs> yeah, that for sure. That's a, that's a big assumption. Joe <laughs> the other said it, Godric. though. Um, Johnson. I mean, up until up until very recently, I would have said, obviously, it has to be connected because it has the same name, and then Mark Evans happened, so... I'm not buying True. anything. Well, but she she said something she said something in an interview like that she had was speaking to Lizzo. She was speaking to her editor and said, "Don't you think that there's some that don't you see some connection between the guy the Gryffindor and the village where you know?" Where, and she said that it was taking her editor 
a long time to pick it up. But Lizzo asked her if there was a connection, and she went, "Oh, you're you're very smart." So it, there seems to be, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And Evans isn't exactly a Godric. Yeah. <laughs> Godric. Godric. It's a common name. So what happens here? The the big event to kickstart yeah. the Harry Potter books is when Voldemort tries to kill Harry. We now know because he was mm-hmm. a threat. Voldemort goes to Godric's Hollow to the house in which James and Lily were living under the Fidelius charm. He had been recently. The Fidelius charm had been broken by Peter Pettigrew, who ran to Voldemort to tell him where oh, James and Lily were. Dirty rat. Yeah, dirty rat. <laughs> and Voldemort. <laughs> okay, first he killed James. Yes. Yes. We know if the movie bit, which Joe wrote, is to be considered canon, then Lily went to a different room because James was not there at the time and tried to push against Voldemort as he came into the room, but instead got killed. Holding Harry, if I recall, no, didn't Harry she get blasted? Was in his, Harry was, was in, in his, his uh, crib. Well, what, what we in the right, U.S. would call but, a crib, yeah. yeah. Harry would have taken a oh, fall. Oh no! When she's holding Harry is when he blasts through the oh, door. So right. she gets she the door closed and she's yeah. holding Harry, and then she puts I, him I hope in the she crib. She put him down to grab her wand to fight a little bit. No, she Come stood on, in lady. front of him. So she stood. So Voldemort said, "You can live. Yes. Move aside." Isn't that interesting? Oh yeah. Yeah. He was filling her. That's another canon conundrum. As yeah. another canon conundrum for another day, maybe. So well, anyway, so should we clarify though for people? You said about in, that Joe Rowling wrote for the movie. Do we? Well, she she laid out the scene. I don't know if she actually penned it, but she laid out the scene. What happened when they went to the flashback in Sorcerer's Stone to show Voldemort arriving so at the house? So she told Chris Sala. Columbus, "You're going to depict this scene this certain way." Yes. Okay. For the people right. that yes. don't know that, right. that, that that's exactly. So what happens is that she will not stand aside. He says, all right, have it your way. He kills her, tries to kill Harry. Boom, the curse rebounds. Then, and what happens next is what we will be discussing. Right. There is a missing 24 hours. Because when we get to Dumbledore in the scene that opens book one. It is the next they, night. They, right. It is the next night. So they, Harry has been brought away from the scene. McGonagall has shown up at the Dursleys. She spent the whole day there. Dumbledore arrived. Because McGonagall spent the whole day there, and that's how she knows and she already knew that something had happened. So clearly there's, she was told the night before. So there's been 24 hours before Harry gets dropped off at the Dursleys. And what happened? What happened there? I don't know. I mean, we all know from watching shows like 24 that a lot can happen in 24 hours. But it sounds like they had this, this planned already. It's like this stuff happened one night and then already the following morning McGonagall was like, instructed to spot out the Dursley's house already? No, because... Like, uh, here's what happens if they get killed, the kind of plan. No. No, because she had no idea what was going on. See, that's one of the problems with this thing. And I think it, it had to do with... I, I'm, well, I'm not quite sure why. But the problem we have with it is that it doesn't make sense. Why would McGonagall have no clue? She didn't even know who the Dursleys were. When right. when he said he was going to leave them with relatives, she says, you can't mean these people here. I mean, she was so utterly clueless at this point, which is just yeah. very hard to figure out why that would be. Why would she have no idea what was going on? Well, she was you not an original member of the order, though. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. She was not. Really? But she was she on. Wasn't? I didn't think she was. No. I thought that he's, I thought, um, or was she? I thought that he said. I don't think she was in that picture. No, she wasn't no. in that picture, and I think that she was on staff and was perhaps really close with with Dumbledore at that point. And when Voldemort uh, was making his rise, that maybe she, you know, offered to help, but maybe she wasn't so in in with the order that she did not know. And that's so interesting that she would be that close. She would be that close to Dumbledore, and the scene 
with the war that she would be the person that J.K. Rowling would put at the Dursley's mm-hmm. house that morning. Mm-hmm. But yet she wasn't close enough to know what was going on. Maybe she was just there as a, as a plot device, as here's somebody who doesn't know what's going well, on. And obviously, this be an it's easy a plot device. But it, it, the problem yeah. is that it, it it doesn't make sense. It really does not make sense. I guess if 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 McGonagall is Dumbledore's lieutenant, then we have eleven years in which she becomes so. Yeah. You know. Maybe the true. previous lieutenant, um, you know, the previous second in command at Hogwarts was a traitor. I don't know. Mm. Well, let's not Whoa. forget also that McGonagall's value could be in her animagus form, and that maybe there weren't many people in the order who could get away with sitting outside the house to spy on the Dursleys that would have been noticed. That's I mean, true. A cat is pretty, you know, commonplace. If you know somebody had a bear an- animagus form, that wouldn't be of much help to anybody. You can't put a bear outside the house very long. What's interesting is that Hagrid trusts her enough to tell her where Dumbledore said to bring Harry. Whoa. But, you know, and that, that's another problem with this right. whole thing, is that basically we have a lot of people in this, in this first scene not acting the way that they do in every other place in the books. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, why McGonagall clearly does not know what's going on, she, but yet she sits outside this house for an entire day, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but she has no clue what's going on. She doesn't know what what Dumbledore's plans are. She doesn't know that Hagrid is bringing the baby. She doesn't know anything. But still, she sits outside. All she knows is that Dumbledore is going to show up there at midnight. That's all she knows. Well, perhaps she's and just it's, a it's, new recruit to the order. That maybe that 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 night or something that um, when Dumbledore realized what all had happened, that he just needed somebody. And he just like said, "Okay, you have to do this for me. You have to go here." You know, I. I yeah. But he was surprised to see. Right. Yeah, that's she didn't, true. She didn't go that's on true. anybody's say so except for she'd oh. heard from Hagrid. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, so Hagrid told her to go there. I think Hagrid, Hagrid just said told where her Dumbledore would be. Where Dumbledore would be, and she went on of her, of her own volition and sat there, not knowing what was going on for the entire day. She didn't know that the that, that the Potters had been killed. She didn't know for sure anything. She just heard rumors. Yeah, that makes no sense. No, it really doesn't. But so, so do we chalk Dumbledore? that up to? Do we chalk that up to the fact that it's early in the series and she didn't have all these things worked <laughs> the out yet? Chapter she wrote. Yeah, maybe. It might just be that she really needed to get this stuff explained, and this is how you got to do it. And sometimes it's just a little right. Of faith. So now we're at that other level of analysis where we're stepping out of the story and we're looking at it in terms of the writing of the book. And I, I think that that's probably true. But I... if you step back into the story and try to make sense of it, it doesn't work. There's so many questions for me about that night, though. I don't understand. So if I, I keep going back to that movie that Joe wrote this scene. We looked at that film. If you watch that scene, it is through the eyes of Voldemort. Is that not correct? That that viewpoint? That seems to be true. Except when you're in the room and Voldemort's still yeah. outside it. Yeah. I think it's just the camera showing the, the, the important moments without actually showing Voldemort. So, I mean... Well, I, think, I think probably the key to that whole thing of her writing it is not tiny details... But I think she wanted to make sure that they didn't preclude the idea that there could be another person there. You see what I mean? I think that's the kind of thing that she wanted to make sure happened correctly. I think she wanted to make sure that however they filmed it, that you couldn't go back later and say, hey, wait a minute, if that's if there was two people there, how come we didn't see them here? Well, if you look at the scene, the way it's filmed, you'd never get a good look at who. You, there, there could easily be two or three people there along with Voldemort, and we would never have... We wouldn't know that that was or wasn't true by what we saw in the film. So I think that's really where she 
stepped in and said, hey, this has got to be a certain way. Now, here's my question. Dumbledore believes Snape, whatever he told him after, because when he realized he had, when he realized he had given up the Potters, might have been that night. And he might have told him something that made so much sense with what had happened that night that he might have been the one who, A, was there, B, told Dumbledore about the events, and which enabled all this to go into action and started this whole chain of, chain of events, which made him the big question mark he is now. I'm more, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think it was Snape who realized what he had done and went to the scene, whether to see the Potters get it or to marvel that he had just killed somebody who didn't mean to kill. Or maybe to try and stop it. Maybe he, because was Snape there? I mean, this is my other question is, was he the one that got Voldemort's wand? Who, how did Walt? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if it was Snape, there's got to be somebody else who got Voldemort's right. wand. Little little rat boy couldn't get it. I don't. So I don't know. Steve. Oh, um, <laughs> I think that the person with him was probably Pettigrew, but that's my theory. Yeah. It would seem right. fitting that Pettigrew, you know, my master, whatever. I've just, you know, I've given it up. Can I? Can I be at your right hand when you do this? But okay, outside of who who was there and who got the wand, there's still this big gaping 24 hour hold. Hole. Yeah, where was Harry? Maybe he was maybe getting evaluated for any. Uh, like maybe it was with Madame Pomfrey to see if the, why he's trying to figure out why he survived. If he's going to be okay, if there's a, a curse still lingering in there with him, maybe they spent a few hours on the scar, seeing if they could get rid of the scar. I also want to know why the spell destroyed the house. Rebounding on Voldemort, I get, because he's the one who was trying to kill him and all that stuff. How did it destroy the house? Isn't that a whole different magic? Well, did it catch on fire, or what happened to the house? The Bombardia? I mean, he didn't use the Bombardia spell. You Bombarda. Know, I don't know. Hermione's Bombarda. <laughs> yeah. Bombarda! Bombarda! Maybe the Death Eaters that were with him got all freaked out and started casting curses all over the place, trying to figure Could out... Could there have been a battle with the, the... You know, that's a good point, John. Maybe that that after this thing happened with Voldemort, that, like, Lucius and some of the other guys came up, and then Mad-Eye and them, and there was a, a battle... And they thought, well, everybody's dead, and they're just, like, hurling spells, and I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're assuming that the Order got there after everybody left. The Order could have well, got there maybe just a second mm, too late. If the Order got there, Hagrid wouldn't have found Harry in the rubble, bleeding with the muggles milling around. It wouldn't have been that kind of scene. Mm. One of the Order would have protected Harry instead of Hagrid having to pull him out of the rubble with the muggles milling around. The muggles milling around suggests that there's nothing going on. People are trying to find out what happened. Yeah. You know, that's true. <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, wow. Hmm. This is so interesting. That night in Godric's Hollow. Man, I can't wait to book seven to find out for sure. Well, we're all out of time for this week, but next week our subject is going to be just as interesting. It's those fabulous eyes of Harry's. What is the secret to those green eyes? Is it something from Lily? What is behind those green eyes of yours, Harry? We cannot wait to find out, and we want to hear your thoughts on this matter, too. You can reach us at, on our Skype username at Pottercast, or you can leave a voicemail in the U.S. It's one seven zero two four two five three two five nine or one seven zero two four two leaky. In the U.K., it's zero two zero seven one nine three two eight seven two, or you can send it now to us at staff at Pottercast dot com and leave your voicemail attachment. We would surely love to hear your thoughts on what is the secret to Harry's eyes. Mm, cool. See you next week, everyone. Ah, oh, mail's here. Bit early for mail, isn't it? But I, I never get mail. Let's open it. Mail's here. Mail time. Oh, great. Thanks. Welcome to the second 
annual, semi-annual, the second, the <laughs> semi-something, the yeah. semi, the 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 second ever Pottercast Harry Potter impersonations contest. Say that three times yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. My hands are all sweaty. Okay, yeah. Let's clear that up, by the way. Let's clear that Are up. We clearing something I up? think we oh. should clear that up. We've been getting emails for the past six months. Thirteen and a half weeks. <laughs> Thirteen later. and a half weeks mm-hmm. of people telling us that, oh, did you know that I think that the Ben who called in on your last impersonations contest was Ben Shane of MuggleNet and he was just having fun with you? Ben he... Shane from MuggleNet. Like, did know you know he was screwing with that you? Guy. Did you know that he was <laughs> making fun of you guys? And call... I was like, yeah, guys. How did that sneak by? <laughs> How did we not notice that? <laughs> this is the first time hearing of this. Well,. Let me no. explain. That was recorded at about 4 a.m. at one of our marathon Skype chats when we yes. were all very giddy. It was very late. And we said, Ben, Ben, do, do your impersonation. We'll record it. Do your impersonation. And so we put it on there as a joke for all of us. That now has lasted six months. Yes, it has. And then and then now we're finally cluing you guys in. So now you can go back and download that one and listen and laugh. Well, we didn't tell you who it was because... If if you did think that was the best impersonation, we wanted you to choose that one to vote. Exactly. So we didn't, we didn't yeah. want to tell you that it was Ben Chain of Mugglenet because you guys would have stuffed the box. Yes. So. And and what a very good impersonation it was. I can't. My hands are sweating. All right. All right. Anyway. That was a brilliant line that Joe wrote. <laughs> yeah. Joe or Joe. her evil twin. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> evil, evil. Uh, Jonah Steve. Not as attractive. <laughs> Not as attractive. <laughs> that's right. Doesn't look as Must good in a dress. Yeah. <laughs> no. We have <laughs> Anybody do a Dobby? Faster or not home. You shall not hurt really butter. Um Oh thank you. John, no we must not do dirty jokes. I don't know. I don't do anything dirty, Dobby. I don't know what you're talking about. I got about. one word for you, John. <laughs> Forget Uh-oh. it. I'm not even going to say it. Lose, lose the tone? No, not that. No. Okay, no. okay. Let's go. Let's go. We let's got some great ones. On going. We have so many. So let's get going. Hi, Pottercast. I wanted to do a quick impersonation of uh, the Boubaton girls coming into Hogwarts. Oh, we are so French. We are so feminine. We fat butterflies. Okay. Hope you laughed at that. Hi, I'm Christina from Bogotown, Florida, and I will be impersonating Voldemort. I'm going to kill you, Harry Potter. I'm going to destroy you. After tonight, no one will ever again question my powers. After tonight, if they speak of you, they'll speak only of how you begged for death. And I, being a merciful lord, Obliged. Thanks. Hi, this is Rogowski from Los Angeles, California, and I'm going to be impersonating Lily Evans. I don't want you to make him apologize. You're as bad as he is. Messing up your hat because you think it looks cool to look like you just got off your broomstick, showing off with that stupid snitch, walking down corridors and hexing anyone who annoys you just because you can. I'm surprised your broomstick can get off the ground with that fat head on it. You make me sick. Okay, that was our first batch of three. Yay. <laughs> that made me smile. Wee! I fought butterflies, monsieur. <laughs> See, I like it. I like hearing the ones from the from the books that haven't been haven't been filmed yet because yeah. like when I read the books, it's like it's always like either in my own voice for the guy characters or like 
like a higher version of my voice in my head for the for the girl characters. So I like to hear what an actual Lily sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice. I'll have to go tell Joseph. Joseph loves Lily Evans. Joseph does? Really? Don't you remember that voicemail? Oh, yes. <laughs> my favorite anyway. character, Lily Evans. <laughs> um, I, I love the, the farting butterflies ones. The... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that just as a random aside, in the opening in that Hogwarts hall scene, don't you wish that Dumbledore had like broken in to be our guest? Uh, yes, yes. yes. Just nice. the French thing. Just oh, be sorry. Our okay, guest, I'm sorry. Be our guest. Be our guest. Better than that Hogwarts song. Okay. Oh I, snaps. That was I, good. I thought that was a good Voldemort job, though. Yeah, for, especially for a girl. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next batch. All right, move along. Hey guys, this is Chris from Chico, California. I'm about to do my best John Newey. Hey, everybody. I'm John Newey. I made up Mr. Blood and Horkery, and I'm Chipotle. Oh, Chipotle. I'm going to go dance the dance dance revolution now. Bye. Hi, guys. This is Lauren Fire from The Lounge. Holy cricket. You're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are... Pleasure. You two better change into your robes. I expect we'll be arriving soon. You've got dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? Just there. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea of getting us killed. Or worse, expelled. Hi, my name is Kyle Tucker, and I'll be, I'm from North Carolina, and I'll be doing an impersonation of Ronald Louise Leaf. Bertie Bob's every flavor beans. They mean every flavor. There's chocolate and peppermint, and there's also spinach, liver, and tripe. George swears you got bogey flavor one once. All right, we have our our first John Noe impersonation. Oh my dear me, <laughs> John, that's exactly what you sound like. Isn't it though? Hey, I'm John Noe. I look like the Butler. Is that me? <laughs> that's I, you. I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Sue? Well, he's not that. They kind of made him a little goofier than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank so you, you're Susie. so good and honest. <laughs> I love my Susie Cusie Tuesdays. Well, I like the Hermione one because the end of it sounded like a podcast impersonation to me now. That line is yeah. forever ruined for me. If you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. It's the end of podcast in my head now. I just yeah. can't. Oh, but we, we X off the, the word too because we're clever and know how to cut. Audio files. We can edit things good. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about our Ron? I thought he did oh, good. Ron. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Good stuff. Okay, let's go. Hello there, Bottergast. I'm Jonathan from Central Florida, and I'm here to uh, impersonate Horace Leghorn from the Half-Blood Prince. And Odo the hero, they brought him back home. To the place that he known as a lad. They laid him to rest with his hat inside out. And his wand snapped in two, which was sad. Can't carry a tune to save my life. Mommy, have you seen my jumper? Yes, dear, it was on the cat. 
Lower your wand, boy, before you take someone's eye out. Professor Moody? I don't know so much about Professor. Never got round to much teaching, did I? Get down here, we want to see you properly. It's all right, Harry. We've come to take you away. Professor Lupin? Is that you? Why are we all standing in the dark? Lumos! Ooh, he looks just like I thought he would. Watch her, Harry. Yeah, I see what you mean, Remus. He looks exactly like James. Except the eyes. Lily's eyes. Are you quite sure it's him, Lupin? It'd be a nice lookout if we bring back some Death Eater impersonating him. We ought to ask him something only the real Potter would know, unless anyone brought any Veritas serum. Harry, what form did your Patronus take? A stag. That's him, Mad-Eye. Don't put your wand there, boy. What if it ignited? Better wizards than you have lost buttocks, you know. Who do you know has lost a buttock? Never you mind. You just keep your wand out of your back pocket. Elementary wand safety. Nobody bothers with it anymore. And I saw that. Okay, holy cow. Oh I think Jim Dale entered the contest. That was know. excellent. I want to listen to that guy read the rest of the book. Me too. Holy cow. He didn't leave a name, nothing. Who was that? That was, that? Nice. That was so good. I if mean, his voice was have... distinct. That was incredible. Yeah. If he wins, hey guy, if you win, you're going to have to call us back so that we can match your phone number to the one that appeared in Skype. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Seriously. Uh, yeah. That was a whole scene. That was. Good. That was excellent. Wow. And, and, <laughs> and we're going to be cutting a lot of these for time. But I don't... I don't want to cut much of that. Really. I don't want to cut any of that. I think that was great. That was excellent. Yeah. You know, and here I was thinking that Slughorn thing was really good about him singing the song with Hagrid and, and everything. That was good, too. Yeah. And that it sounded like a mom and her daughter did the did the Molly Ginny one. Oh, my God. I loved that, that was... so hard. So cute. Oh, man. That was my... <laughs> I just love that line and that, that part yes. of the book. So <laughs> dang funny. It's not it in is... the book, John. It's, in, it's, a, it's a Clovis creation. <laughs> Oh, I'm a I know. loser. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm not, I've never really read Chamber of Secrets. Before. Oh, stop. Oh, nah, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, those were those were some pretty impressive. <laughs> yes. And now, guys, we got. I mean, I don't know how this happens, but last time we got a lot of one line. I think it was the Hermione, if you don't mind, line. <laughs> this don't. time we got so many people doing Rita Skeeter from the movie mm -hmm. Goblet of Fire. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing. So let's let's. How about we just do them all at once? Yes. Okay. Hang on. Hi, Pottercast. You asked for a an um, impersonation, and I'm going to do Rita Skeeter. What a charismatic quartet! Hello, I'm Rita Skeeter. But you all know that, don't you? It's you. We don't know. You're the juicy news. What quirks lie beneath those rosy cheeks? What mysteries do those muscles mass? Does courage lie beneath those curls? In short, what makes a champion tick? Me, myself, and I want to know, not to mention my rabid readers. So, who feels up to sharing? Hi, my name is Miranda, also known as HPFan731 on the Lakey Lounge, and this is my impression of Rita Skeeter. 
here you sit, a mere boy of 12, about to compete against three students not only vastly more emotionally mature than yourself, but to have mastered spells that you wouldn't attempt in your diseased daydreams. Concerned? Do you think that it was the trauma of your past that made you so keen to enter such a dangerous tournament? Of course you didn't. Everyone loves a rebel, Harry. Scratch that last. Speaking of your parents, were they alive? How do you think they'd feel? Proud? Or concerned that your attitude shows at best a pathological need for attention? At worst, a psychotic death wish. Hi, this is Elizabeth, Elizabeth 18 on the lounge. I will be impersonating Rita Skeeter. Everyone loves a rebel, Harry. Speaking of your parents, were they alive? How do you think they'd feel knowing that your desire to enter such a dangerous tournament shows at best a pathological need for attention, at worst a psychotic death wish? Hi, my name is Miranda Larson, also known as HP Fan Seven Three One on the Leaky Lounge, and this is my impression in my impression of Rita Skeeter. Here you sit, a mere boy of twelve, about to compete against three students not only vastly more emotionally mature than yourself, but have mastered spells that you wouldn't attempt in your diseased daydreams. Concerned? Just ignore the quill, because you're no ordinary boy of twelve, are you? Your story's legend. Do you think it was the trauma of your past that made you so keen to enter such a dangerous tournament? Of course you didn't enter, Harry. Everyone loves a rebel. There we go. Ooh, Rita Skeeter! <laughs> no, wait, is that, I can't, is that Lockhart or is that Rita Skeeter? I don't know. Uh, that's Lockhart's <laughs> music, but it fits. Uh, I forget. <laughs> fits song. all the same thing. <laughs> it was a totally different composer. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But those those were quite... I, it's interesting to me why that's the quote that everybody wants to do. I don't know. Everybody loves Rita. Well, Miranda was so... Miranda Richardson was so good in that part. And the way she just, you know, used her voice and a little nod. And that was so that was good to imitate. And oh, we yeah. had some good good... Wow, that's good stuff. That's good it's stuff. gonna be a hard choice for you guys. I uh, oh man, I'm glad I'm not choosing. Okay, that's, that's a whole lot of Rita right there. Whole lot of Rita. All right, let's go. Hey, this is Jeff from Iowa for the impersonation contest. Oh my goodness! I Hi, this is Rob from New Jersey. Action! Welcome, my friends. 30 years has been, and yet you've stand before me as though it were only yesterday. Well, I confess myself. Well, confused, to be honest. I mean, no one tried to find me. Oh, I was so lonely. Oh, Harry, I'd almost forgotten you were here. Pick up your wand, Potter. Let's duel. Oh, don't turn back on me, Harry Potter. I want you to look at me when I kill you. I want to see the light leave your eyes. Crucius! Oh, fudge. It seems our wand has become a bit tangled. Now hold still, Harry. You turn yours that way, I'll go the other. We'll never get the one tied at this race. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. That's what my father always used to tell me. Oh, that filthy muggle. End scene. <laughs> that was cute. End <laughs> scene. That, that was pretty awesome. Nice. The improv award goes to. See, see now we have that and Clobes and Joe to contend with. Which scene we like, version of the scene we like better. 
I think that was my favorite. Yeah. Of all of them. Yeah. Confused. Oh, I was so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> so lonely. Poor myself. little Voldy all by himself Confused. and his little mutant blob <laughs> self. Oh, that's so funny. I don't know. That Neville one was good, though, too. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Cute, Harry Potter. Okay, next. But you liked that, didn't you? Famous Harry Potter. Can't even go into a bookshop without making the front page. Leave him alone. He didn't want all that. <laughs> Look, Potter. You guys have a girlfriend. Now, now, Draco. Play nice. <sighs> Mr. Potter, I don't believe we've met. Lucius Malfoy. Forgive me, but that scar is legend. As, of course, is the wizard who gave it to you. Voldemort killed my parents. He was nothing but a murderer. Ah, how very... brave of you to say the name. Yes, a pity about your parents. <laughs> Curious if yourself could escape with mere flesh wound. Hi there, this is Padford Forever from the Leaky Lounge, and my impersonation is a moaning myrtle from the end of Chamber of Secrets. You're alive. Oh, oh well, I've just been thinking. If you had died, you'd have been welcome to share my toilet. <laughs> well now. Nice. Hmm. Nice. I good like it when they make them nice, short, and sweet like that. Just what yeah. we ask for. Just what we want. Oh, that was her right. Myrtle. Her her Myrtle was good. Yeah. It was very good Myrtle. At least she could. They ever need a new Myrtle voiceover. <laughs> Why? Because Shirley Henderson will what suddenly develop chronic laryngitis. Probably. Probably. Nah, I don't know. What, what else do we have? We had Draco, Harry, Janine, and Ron, yeah, and Lucius, and yeah. the whole God, thing. God, I'm amazed at how many people are doing multiple impressions. Who are yeah, you know? Last time, I think we had one person do multiple impressions last time. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is like insane. Yeah. Well, let's get to some more. This is Steed with some Harry from book five. Me, tactless. One minute we were getting on fine. And next minute she was telling me that Roger Davies asked her out and how she used to go and snog Cedric in that stupid tea shop. How was I supposed to feel about that? Hi, this is Luna Blind from the forum. I'm calling from Hong Kong. Hissy, hissy. The little snakey sliver on the floor, you be good to Morphin, or he'll nail you to the door. Thank you, bye. Hi, my name is Matt Armstrong, I'm from Evansville, Indiana. One of the wizard's most rudimentary skills is levitation. Oh dear, we are in trouble. There is only power, and those too weak. Your scar is legendary. That's, of course, the wizard who gave it to you. Harry Potter? Such an honor it is. Who are you? Dobby the house elf, sir. Excellent. Wow. These people are so talented. It's a nice little sampling of about lots of characters. Now I got a little yes. Dobby action. John, what are you eating? Nothing. I'm not eating. You're eating? I can hear it. No, it was uh, gum. Yeah, your cinnamon gum. You and your cinnamon gum. gum. Cinnamon gum. <laughs> it keeps me um keeps me in the mood for um podcast. Okay, sure. Just mm -hmm. don't chew it right now. All right, ladies. <laughs> All right, let's go. Wow, we gotta stop it there. That's so many. Yeah, that's gonna be it for this week.
Well, I think we can probably put well air the rest of them next week. Yeah, we gotta like just like take a breather. There's too much too much good talent coming into our brains. I know. We wanna. I don't even. Man, I'm overwhelmed. It's a lot of a lot of good submissions. So much more than last time. I wonder if that's probably have a few more listeners now. What do you say? Maybe. Yeah, we probably do. I don't know. Sue. Ah. Uh. I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff. I don't know. I think we a lot of, a lot of people keep them hanging, coming back for more, baby. Yep. Oh, and there are some good ones. Yes, there are. Well, some good oh, ones left. Yes. <sighs> well, on that note, guys. All right. Then we'll move on out to uh, wrap up time. The part where we have drums. Okay. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Is that the end already? It is. Long show this week. It was a long show. This is probably like my favorite longest podcast 37 ever. Yay! You said it! It's back! (laughs) It's back! Hey! It's back! (laughs) Good way to change it up there, Johnny. I have to change the words every now and again. Every now and again, yeah. yeah. Well, I've had fun. I mean, Kenna Conundrums for me is quickly turning into my favorite segment. I'm, it I'm loving it, too. Yeah. Talking with Steve about Cannon is, like, it's so much fun. <laughs> I know. It's like it talking is. to, like, the, like, Willy Wonka about chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Zumba, zumba, I guess I'd probably be talking to Joe about chocolate. I've got a conundrum riddle. <laughs> it's like talking to Slugworth. Slughorn. No, Slugworth is the. Slugworth is from the. Oh, okay. I got confused. I thought it was a Johnism again. Well, let's see, guys. What do we have coming next week? The end of the impersonations contest. Uh, Impersonations part 2.2. 2.2. We got some good stuff in there. Yeah. Yes, we do. What else? We got another modcast. Another modcast. Extendable Ears is coming back fairly soon. Um, I just. It's a busy so time. Well, you see it. See, this is we're we're holding off on the double E because don't ramp it up like that. One, one hell of a double E coming up don't one day. Ramp it up like that. You don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't told you anything. I, oh, I'm just I just have a feeling whenever Melissa's got cooking is good stuff. Well, it's you know we can't we can't, we can't depend on these things every week, but we also do have a really great in the know coming up in the next couple of months. Really, really great. I am. Oh, oh my God. I'm actually more excited for that than I have been for a while. It's somebody who has worked with some people in the films, and it is also somebody who knows about writing books. Um, uh, somebody who may do a film for us. Stop that, John. It's your idea, oh, and it's crap. not going to happen. Come on. He, he'll do it. Uh, right, that's do all it. the clues. He, or, that he is, or she will do it. That is all the clues we're going to give on that, and you can guys can go crazy in the forums trying to figure out who it is. Hot, hot Cheryl, go ahead. Hot Cheryl. Right on the fill, Hot Cheryl. Hot Cheryl will be on the show eventually, by the way. I can't wait. Is she going to be in the know? or is she She's an be... extendable ears, dude. She works on the books. That's right. She's a double E. She's a double E. She's awesome. She is. Yeah, she's, she's great. A, a double E with two T's. <laughs> <laughs> what? John's version of spelling, boys and girls. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because we... we, we... <laughs> 
<laughs> All our academic pursuits go through John as a filter for sure. Uh, Speaking of am- academic pursuits. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of academic pursuits, John, I-, I hear that you have an essay coming to the Scribulus very soon. You know, I decided that I have to contaminate all areas of Leaky with my <laughs> wisdom. So watch for the next edition of Scribulus with uh, my musings on book six and uh, book seven and, and what it means the whole to be series a in fan. general. So See, here's what happened. What kind of Potter fan I am. Here's what happened. John sent me his essay and I said, oh, great. I'll do that right away. It went right to the top of my list and I and I edited it for him immediately. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's probably mm-hmm. almost, almost what happened except... Almost. Let's, let's replace that version of the story with it being sitting in your archive Gmail account for about two months. 13.5 weeks, John. 13.5 weeks? 13, no, that is not. Melissa waiting time. Seems like double that. It wasn't. Seems like no. 28 weeks. Close. No, that would be 27. Yeah, 27. <laughs> <laughs> Math. So funny. Anyway, on a John. More, make fun of what? I'm, I'm, I'm amping your efforts oh. here. Everybody's going to know about your essay and read it and, and call you a genius and all that good stuff. No, I'm going to get a hate mail. Yeah, I think you might, actually. <laughs> I welcome it. You know, do you know how much I love hate mail? <laughs> See, first, it used to be a novelty when I used to get emails about, oh my gosh, I love the show. And now it's like, I'm waiting for those hate emails. I, I really treasure those. Oh, now you're not going to get any of those after you said those that. Are the ones that I, those are the ones that I print. We should we should make up a little area of podcast for your your craziest, craziest emails you get. We should have a crazy And you should, like, hate. maybe, like, I don't know, respond to them in some way. You know, I think that... That may be something <laughs> I'm capable of doing. That's probably the most original thing I've ever come up with. Let's watch for that on, on, on which, new which, What should we call it? I think I think it it's almost like a wall of sorts, right? I don't know if it's a wall, maybe a bulletin board. A bulletin board, you know, like a and a shameful one at that. No, he's notes. Uh, about, no, he's notes. How about how like let's that. call it the bulletin board that's ashamed of itself. <laughs> Shame to long. Is that a mouthful? No, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay, we're going to call it that. I'm going to make Perfect. a clip art tonight. Okay. I'm going to consult my clip art gallery and my word art on Microsoft Word. Oh, yeah. That's how I do my all my designing. This is all sounding so promising. Yes. Mm-hmm. Original and fresh and skilled. Yes. And fresh. Okay. But, but not Baja fresh. Those of you who have no idea what we were talking about, it's actually pretty funny. But Yeah, click, click around the web a little bit to know <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Sue, how Leak you doing? I don't know, but you know, you guys were talking about mails, and we get so many great emails. And last week we got, uh, we were talking about how the DVD was not coming out in Australia, and we heard from a lot of our Australia. So listeners. many, yes. And 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 I wanted to. Someone said, "What about us over in New Zealand?" So y'all in New Zealand, home of the Hobbits, where they filmed Lord of the Rings. Big shout out to y'all for for. I know that there's some of you there. They they said they felt ignored. So squeeze to them. Sweet for them. That's right. And we I should, just think we it's have... such an unreliable method of transporting the movie to Australia than putting it into a glass yeah. bottle and floating it there because that's why it's yeah. taken them so long. You know, I think they learn how to, you know, send it over like, uh, yeah. with like an airplane. But... They use oceanic air. It's bad. Yeah, you know, maybe it's, maybe the film will get lost along the way. Oh. Do you imagine on Lost a little, little canister washes up on the shore? Yeah. They put it on in the hatch and like, ooh. Crazy guy with one hand or Harry Potter? I heard that there was actually a part of the film clipped out that says to not use the computer for watching Harry Potter number five. <laughs> wow, how, how OT can we get? I how know. Let's, let, let, let's, like let's the OT keep trying. contest. Let's keep trying. I bought a microwave last week. You bought a microwave? <laughs> I bought a microwave. I have a. Sue, so what did you. Hey, I have a belly button. <laughs> you just now noticed? <laughs> Good for you, John. 
It's the OT contest. It's okay. the off-topic podcast. Well, if we're going to go off-topic, let's talk about Jason Isaacs, okay? <laughs> let's talk about, I'm sorry? Um, who? Jason? How wonderful you would, you would he is? Think well, new film in Toronto, right everyone. Toronto. Sue, that, that's on-topic, Sue. Oh. Jason Isaacs is on-topic. But You can't even go off-topic if you try. I know. Jason Isaacs is all like... <laughs> talk about him 24 Come, We're leaving. <laughs> that was my Jason Isaacs. <laughs> so silly. Yeah, that was a little silly. We love you, Jason, but that was a little much. You think there are yeah. Hogwarts um, uh, wards that prevent un- unforgivable curses from going off like a fat Oh, no. Oh, no, because look I, at the... I refute my own statement by remembering yeah. the fourth book. <laughs> <laughs> so, John... Oh. Podcast 37, the one in which John goes, hey, remember this? Oh, wait, uh, wait, I'm wrong. How, how, about, how about that part where I was oh, complimenting Joe on writing the... Mommy, have you seen my jumper? <laughs> it's on the cat. It's on the cat. John's like, that was so great in the books. If, you, if, the, if it wasn't part of Impersonations 1, it'll be part of Impersonations 2. <laughs> let's go. Let's oh, get out of okay. here. Time to hurry up. You're wasting time. You're wasting time. I confess myself disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now... If you don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> uh, hi. Hi, Pottercast. This is uh, Mike. And this is David from Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, we love the show, and we wanted to call in to give our thoughts on your uh, canon conundrum for this week. Um, so, well, we've been thinking about it. We're a big fans of the show, like I said. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Who else let Godric Tyler the night that Harry's parents were murdered? Um, well, I, I've put a lot of thought into this. I've checked different resources online, and um, a lot of people seem to think that a guy named uh, Micah, Micah Tannenbaum was there. Yeah, I heard, you heard that one. Yeah, I think you might have been there. And so, uh, so was uh, uh, Papa Sparks. Did you hear about that one? No. No. Who's that? Well, I heard he walked up to Voldemort himself and <laughs> told him to lose his own. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow, I never even heard of that one. Wasn't there someone else, though? Yeah, I can't remember. Who was it? Um, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> was it Kevin Stack? Oh, Kevin Stack, yeah. They all went. They were all there for God's Tyler. They were there with like Harry and stuff, mm-hmm. and Steve Vander Ark. Oh yeah, I think Melissa and Ellie. Melissa and Ellie's everywhere. <laughs> She's omnipresent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thanks for taking our little voicemail. Uh, we have to hear it on the show, and and we love podcasts. It's the best ever. 